0: Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet. So you stay off the ladder. Visit gutterhelmetindy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. gutterhelmetindy.com.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos. So let's rock.
2: It. Hammer drinking these stats. Just take it in. I want you to soak these stats all in. The past 10 days. 36 people shot, 3 stabbed, 11 killed, 8 juveniles shot with 4 killed. These are sickening stats. 20 juvenile homicides in a year. That's a record. We're already at the record for juvenile homicides.
3: Now, how could this possibly be, Nige? Because when Rob Kendall and I spoke to the Washington Post Last week, And the story ran, and we talked about a lot of the crime, a lot of the homeless issues that we're having here in Indianapolis. We got called every name under the sun. Indianapolis is fine. You're scared to go downtown. We've even seen Joe Hogsett and his gruesome twosome partner, Ryan Mears, go on television with that stupid look on their faces and say, everything's fine. Downtown is safe. And you're telling me that 20 juvenile homicides have happened this year, which the year's not even over. Oh, no. And this is an all-time indie record. And I'll raise you one better than that. Right now, Indianapolis is outpacing Chicago in homicide rate per capita by 9%. Shut up. Not one, not two. We're beating Chicago by 9% once you factor in the population. Mm.
2: Yeah, well, you know, at least Joe Hog said is running attack ads on his opponent Sharif because of his association with Donald Trump and he doesn't and, and he doesn't want women to have abortions. At All least, least things that mayors <laughs> can't do. At least they're concentrating on the right things, you know, the animal shelters and stuff. And the story about the fast walk
3: that opened back up and then had to close right back oh, down right. because of all the nonsense and crime that was happening at that establishment. I mean, it was just open for a couple of days and they said, you know what? This stuff isn't even worth it anymore. We're closing up shop. And you're so right, Nige. These should be the main stories that these mayoral candidates here in Indianapolis are talking about. But instead... You got Boss Hawk set up there. Jefferson Shreve is friends with Donald Trump. <laughs> he hasn't condemned January 6th. And on the other side, Jefferson Shreve, who's got all the ammunition, all the stats, all the figures, everything to use at his disposal, stands up there like a scared little puppy dog on the stage when he's trying to debate Boss Hawk set. Again, I just hate... That these are our two options, because this is a really critical time in the history of this city. It's unbelievable. Crime is a major factor, and it should be the biggest factor in this mayor's race. But both candidates, they're talking about abortion. They're talking about January 6th. We're talking about animal shelters. Like, okay, if you want to talk about those things, that's fine. But front and center. You have to figure out a way to make Indianapolis safer. And it's not just one man's job. We're talking about radical judges. We're talking about Ryan Mears as the prosecutor. Hell, even Joe Hogsett has been trying to use workarounds to get around Ryan Mears. So on this election eve, if you're feeling a little disenchanted, I totally get it. I really do. Because I heard Tony Katz this morning on his morning show Kind of go on this rant about if you don't vote in the mayor's race or if you leave it blank, you're blah, 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 blah. All right, that's fine. But as I pointed out at a night with WIBC, Tony doesn't live here. Hell, Tony doesn't even come to work here. It's easy to say you have to vote for Jefferson Shreve or you have to vote for Joe Alksett when you don't live here. I'm here every day. My family's here. I'm on you know, Monument Circle walking around every single day before this show. And neither one of these guys want my vote. And I don't think either one of them deserve
2: my vote. My other favorite part about Hogsett's one of those commercials uh, that he's been running is that he we're going to hire more police officers. Well, <laughs> OK, first, you need people to start filling out some applications, because every chance you get, you throw them under the bus.
3: Right. There's a reason why you have a hiring problem. Nobody wants to work for you. Nobody. People are leaving the IMPD in droves, not because they've given up you know, the passion for law enforcement. They don't want to work for you. So you can tell me you've got all the money in the world. It's not going to matter. It's the leadership. That's the problem. And when you look at the main problems in Central Indy, it's not caused by law-abiding gun owners. Mm, And this is where Jefferson Shreve and the just total morons, the washed-up guy and the fat guy, have led him astray. (laughs) Like his staff, his advisors, maybe some of the most incompetent people I've seen run a political race in a long time.
2: Will you still feel that way if Sharif pulls off the upset tomorrow?
3: It's the same guy. It's not going to make a difference, because I've had a lot of people say that to me. How are you going to feel if Jefferson Shreve wins? It feels like I'm going to get four more years of Joe Hawksett <laughs> to be honest with you. And if Joe Hawksett wins, how's that going to be any different than what Jefferson Shreve wants to offer? Jefferson Shreve's campaign about crime has been... Well, Joe Hogsett's right about everything, but I'll also add a public safety uh, (laughs) director. director.
2: Well, that's not a plan. That sucks. Uh, By the way, when we asked FOP President Rick Snyder about the public safety director aspect of that campaign, he was like, eh, that's just one more person that gets in between us and direct access to the mayor.
3: Right. And for those of you who, like, want to point the finger at me, I can't believe you're not going to vote for Jefferson Drief. Let's not get it twisted. The FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police, did not endorse a candidate in this race for a reason. And trust me, it's not because they've got a great relationship with Boss Hogsett. Now, in the past, the FOP has supported Joe Hogsett, but that relationship went super sour after the Summer of Love. So how much of a zero do you have to be to not get the FOP's endorsement? when you're running against the Jimmy Carter of mayors and one J.D. Hogsett, boss Hogsett. (laughs) I mean, he's one of the great zeros of all time. And there's a very good chance he's going to win again. But again, it's not going to matter. These two dudes are the same guy. They look alike and they have the same approach when it comes to crime. So you can do what you want. I don't believe there is a place to write in a candidate. A lot of people wanted to write in abdul's name i don't believe that is an option so you've got basically three options and i put this twitter poll up at hammer and nigel feel free to weigh in you can either vote for joe hogsett vote for jefferson shreve or leave it blank those are the three options how's it looking right now um let me bring it up here now, if you want oh, to vote it. in the I other races, by all means do so, because there's some lunatics running for the city county council.
2: Yeah. Uh, So poll, Twitter poll, Hammer and Nigel. How do you plan to vote for the Indianapolis mayor? Sharif's got it at 59.3%, 3.7% hog set. <laughs> And 37% leaving it blank. Now this is obviously these are, this is our audience, right. Like the right, poll. <laughs> right. But, but, uh, but I heard Robin Abdul talking earlier today about how uh, early voting is up and how it might be a possible advantage for Shreve. It could. And Jefferson Shreve could win this race.
3: Honestly, he should win this race. because Joe Hawk said is that much of a zero, that much of a loser. But Shreve turned around and blamed people like us that want to take care of our families for the problems in Indianapolis, the very first opportunity he got. The minute he won the primary, that's when the fat guy and the washed-up guy told him, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be gun grabbers. That's the way we're going to win this thing in Marion County. I understand trying to pilfer some of the votes from the left. You can't just be a hardcore conservative and run in Marion County. Trust me, I understand that. It's 60% Democrat, 40% Republican in terms of registered voters. But there's a lot of Democrats who don't like Joe Hogsett. It's like what you see with Joe Biden right now. People who have buyer's remorse. They saw what happened during the riots, the way he allowed whoever was calling the shots to let the rioters have their way with the city. And oh, by the way, Hogsett was not here calling the shots. And that's the other thing the Shreve has let him off the hook on. You know where he's at. Stop being coy. You know exactly where he was at. You had multiple opportunities to call him out on televised debates. But instead, you stood up there waiting for the buzzer to sound, looking scared to death of Joe Hogsett. <laughs> now, I get it. He's a gangly looking dude, but you shouldn't be scared of him. So, if you're scared of Joe Hogsett, why should anybody trust you to run the
2: most vibrant city in the state? I think there is a difference between Hogsett and Sharif. I bet Hogsett could drink Sharif under the table.
3: <laughs> there's that.
2: There's do the no difference. doubt in my mind, there's that. A drinking contest with Hogsett, you're going to lose every time. Every time. So,
3: again, feel free to weigh in on the Twitter poll, at Hammer and Nigel. How do you plan to vote tomorrow? If you want to vote for Sharif, that's great. Because Joe Hawk sets a zero. Me personally, I don't like either one of these guys. I'm focusing my voting on the city council races because there are some real nuts running in the city county council.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: The Hammer and Nigel
2: Show. Yeah, hi, I'm Nigel. What's Hammer's right you? over there with a special guest on the hotline. The Small
3: Business Expo. Getting ready to uh, come to Indianapolis, the CEO is Kelly Sparks. Kelly, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tell us about the Small Business Expo.
5: Hey, thanks for having me. Well, it is this Thursday at the 502 East Event Center in Carmel, Indiana, uh, on 502 East Carmel Drive. And the show is from 1 to 7. Uh, You can expect several businesses, different industries, networking all day, several workshops, several topics, and it's the place for just about every entrepreneur should be this Thursday.
2: Okay, I was going to say this is my question. Who who is your customer? Who do you want to show up uh, at this event?
5: Sure. So this should appeal to any startup, anyone considering entrepreneurship, Uh, Anyone, you know, who has a brick and mortar, businesses that sell to businesses or business that sells to consumers, feed-level executives, sales reps. Um, We've got small to medium-sized businesses. So all kinds of industries, if you're looking to network, looking to get your brand out there. This is the place to be.
3: Now, when you say network, do a lot of the folks at these small business expo kind of take care of each other or is this kind of a cutthroat deal where everybody's there, everybody's out for themselves?
5: <laughs> no. No, I've created quite a community here. Uh it happened through the pandemic and we're all like family. So we meet every month and we collaborate. We ha- have a safe place to ask questions you know, how do you pivot or how do you do this? So we're there to serve each other mostly. And um, sure, at the end of the day, we want referrals, uh, but we become friends through the process.
3: And have you heard anything from your vendors, the folks running their respective small businesses, about how tough it is right now, whether it's with the cost of goods and services, whether it's paying rent at a facility, everything out there is way more expensive than it used to be. Is that a big problem for some of these small business owners? That
5: is a a great question, and that was a huge question when COVID had hit us. But, you know, we're still going through those types of things, and that's all the more reason that we need to collaborate. We've got to create these partnerships, ask each other, how are you doing this? And you've got to get in the room with people who have the same like-mindedness. They want to be entrepreneurs. You need a support system. Uh, Yes.
2: Kelly, you're the CEO of the Small Business Expo, and this is an Indianapolis-based thing, right, that happens every month?
5: Yeah, yeah. We meet every month. We've got memberships, and then it leads up to the trade show conference. What
2: would you um, recommend? Somebody wants to start their own restaurant. Somebody wants to start their own um, restaurant. you know, lawn care business. What's the first, I mean, you're a CEO, you've done this thing before. What's the first thing you would advise somebody to do? And that's, I'm I'm assuming that's why people show up at these things, but um, I'm just curious, like somebody wants to start their own business, they have an idea, what's the first thing they do?
5: Yeah, a leap of faith, (laughs) for one. uh, Resilience, you've just, you've got to make a decision that you're going to get plugged into the people who look like they know what they're doing, honestly it's all about a leap of faith uh, obviously you want to connect with a business coach or some free mentoring there's all kinds of free resources and when you get involved with networking there's everything under the sun every question that you can ask so it's all possible but you got to be resilient and you just got to decide to take the leap of faith
3: so kelly one more time if somebody's looking for some information on your event where can they go
5: Indiana, SBC.com. Uh Like I said, the event is from 1 to 7. Our title sponsor is Hup Jewelers, and we're actually giving away diamonds and gems after each topic, so you'll want to get your free tickets.
3: Kelly Sparks, CEO of Small Business Expo. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me night it's a big night tonight. We got uh, Tony Kennett's new program starts tonight at
2: 7 o'clock. Hell of a lead-in for him.
3: Right. He has one day on the air, and then tomorrow, I think we have IU basketball. So, <laughs> 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 like, the joke's going to be tomorrow that if his show stinks, it got canceled after one night. But uh, we do have IU basketball tomorrow, but... For the most part, every night, 7 o'clock, right here at 93 WIBC, it will be Tony Kennett, and he is coming up uh, tonight at 7. Dateline, Connecticut. A Connecticut man was charged with possession with intent to sell narcotics and operating a drug factory a that factory. detectives found he had been growing $8.5 million worth of mushrooms. Oh,
2: crap. At his house? They called it a drug Factory?
3: $8.5 million of shrooms. Uh, here's one of his neighbors, Lee, and an FBI agent talking about the big discovery.
0: They were running air conditioners when it was a cold day, you know, which didn't seem right. They had air conditioners in the top windows there and also in the front of the house. And with a marijuana grow house, the house is usually filled with lamps. In this
6: case, uh, mushrooms don't need a lot of lamps to grow them. Instead, they had needed a lot of ventilation.
2: I didn't know there was a market for mushrooms, illegal legal L- illegal mushrooms. Oh, the there's a market.
3: market. It's called College. <laughs> some of my old friends, really? man. Some of my old did friends. Did you ever do mushrooms? I did. What? Did you? Don't
2: you throw up or something like that? Don't you have like an immediate reaction?
3: Well, like I mixed like, it with like a like a peanut butter sandwich. Oh, so I did that, and then we oh. went and saw a couple like comedy shows that came to the university, and
2: uh, did it have an effect on you? I mean, I've never oh done yeah, it. I mean
3: the room started to look wavy, kind of scary a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes time for them to run their course i didn't throw up they came out the other okay, end. okay well so that's my way yeah that's my ted talk you're a, right there you're a man shroom
2: head. i can't believe
3: it uh, i tried a lot of stuff but not anything white or powdery
2: that was kind of my motto when well, it came to you haven't lived a full life <laughs> things in college it's the hammer and nigel show you got to see the before and after photos of my Galaxy Concrete Coatings garage floor. The old garage floor was just awful. If you go to Galaxy Concrete Coatings Indianapolis Facebook page, scroll down to about March when they when they redid my floor. There's before and after photos. They're incredible. It's it's night and day. My new Galaxy Concrete garage floor is out of this world and no they did not use epoxy. That is the old standard. This is better. They use polyurea It's the new premium standard for coatings. And don't forget, the manufacturer just upgraded the warranty from 15 years to life. GalaxyConcreteCoatings.com or give them a call 751 9070. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show.
6: It's Monday Gun Day with the Gun Guy.
3: Just
2: watch out for the guns. They'll get.
5: Stop.
6: Calling your
2: arms gun. Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason City Hammer right over there, joining us live in studio. Two a attorney licensed firearms instructor, and a damn fine human being, host of the Gun Guy Show. Guy Relford, how are you,
6: man? Guys, I'm great. And thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest and PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street or PremierArms.com.
2: Okay, so. Uh, we're the day before the
6: election, uh, yeah,
2: not, not re- nothing really. Go. You and I live in Boone County. Nothing really exciting going on over there.
6: I did no, except research. we're finally getting rid of our idiot mayor. Right. Was, yeah.
2: was, I think. Oh, the effing mayor. Uh, I'm the epic mayor. Yeah. yeah, I really had to do my research in, in Zinesville in the town council because, like, if you wanted to really do like figure out who you're voting for, who you're not voting for. Just walk down Main Street in Zionsville and like one of those radical jewelry (laughs) places with the trans flag and the BLM. I just started writing down the names of the signs they had in front of their building. And I said, cross that off, cross that name off, (laughs) cross that name off. (laughs) That was how I did my research for who to vote for uh, in in Zionsville. But we have a much bigger, uh, much more at stake here in Marion County. Just curious as to your 30,000 foot over what, you, uh, you know, what you're expecting tomorrow.
6: Well, listen, I've, I've been catching a lot of grief on social media and otherwise, because I've been calling out Jefferson Shreve since day one. I've done it right here with you guys. We've been doing it together. But um, the idea that the the, the the a Republican thinks the way to win an election in, in Indiana, or in Marion County specifically, is to stab us in the back on the Second Amendment, or to, to try to blame law-abiding gun owners, for instance, uh, for the crime in Marion County, which of course is ludicrous. And so, I've been attacking uh, Jefferson Shreve uh, since day one. Well, since he announced that policy. Before he did that, I was excited about Jefferson Shreve. Same. I was so hoping he was going to finally come in and get rid of this complete idiot mayor we've had for so long, Joe Hogsett. And then he comes out and stabs us in the back on the Second Amendment. So, I think there are bigger things involved. First of all, I think he... He lost the race when he came out and announced that policy. If he somehow throws a Hail Mary because of all the money he's thrown at this and wins, so be it. We'll be rid of Joe Hogsett. That'll be be great.
3: Because people have asked me that question, and I bet you've gotten the same question, Oh, yeah, totally. What are you going to do if Jefferson Shreve wins? To which my argument was, good, Joe Hogsett's not the mayor anymore, but I've now got... Joe Hawks at 2.0 as the mayor. Well,
6: that's exactly right. And the next thing I'll do is I'll get ready to go over to the statehouse because Jefferson Shreve promised us, remember, that the only way they can pass all this gun control, all of which is unconstitutional on its face, but the only way they can pass all this gun control that Jefferson Shreve and Joe Hawks have been pushing for is to amend the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act so as to allow a local government like Marion County and in Indianapolis to pass it. So what I'll be doing if Jefferson Shreve wins is, one- uh, I'll, I'll, you know, ironically have a toast of of, of, of some form of alcohol to, to celebrate <laughs> Joe Hawks being gone, but then I'll gear up to be over there in the statehouse doing battle with our Republican mayor on a gun control Second Amendment issue. And guess what? We'll go to toe-to-toe in the statehouse, and I'll whip his butt over there.
3: <laughs> and you're so right about Jefferson Shreve, because whether it was him or Abdul, I thought whoever the Republican nominee coming out of the primary primary is going to be, they had a great chance. And I was going to hitch my wagon to them because Joe Hawk said is just one of the great zeros of all time. But the very first opportunity he got after the uh, primary, you got Jefferson Shreve throwing all of us law-abiding citizens under the bus to pander to the left. You lost me.
6: I'm sorry. Well, that's right. And by the way, I think there's an honesty and an integrity issue here, too, which is, why didn't he announce his gun control plan during the primary when there were still other legitimate candidates for the Republican nomination, including our own Abdul? Why didn't he come out and announce his anti-Second Amendment leanings, outright policies, while there was still an opportunity for another primary candidate to win? Because he knew he was alienating a big part of Republican voters and just banked on the The fact that he could win the nomination, then announce it, then throw so much money at this election they could turn around and still win. And and listen, uh, if that turns out to be a winning strategy, then chalk one up for him. But in the meantime, can you trust the bastard after that?
2: Well, not only that, but what kind of message does it send to the other Republicans in the party if Sharif does win? What no, message are that that's send now?
6: Yeah, the only way you can win a, 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 a race as a Republican in Marion County now uh, is to stab us in the back on constitutional principles. Really? Is that what we want to, as a Republican Party? I, and listen, I've had a lot of criticisms across the board for how Republicans run elections in Marion County. But how do we feel about that precedent being set? That, that the, the way to win an election in Marion County is to stab us in the back on the Constitution so as to pander to the liberal base in Marion County? Against and- the— a beatable no. opponent. I guess a beatable opponent on issues that he should be beaten on, which we see every day when we walk in the studio. We see it. We see the crime. We, you know, hell, the guy that tried to assault me on Marion County right here just got resentenced for violation of probation. I mean, I've lived it. That's what we ought to be talking about, because we got people assaulting people on, on Monument Circle, and because crime's out of control, and because, what, 65% of, of murders go unsolved in Marion County.
3: Monday, Gunday, Guy Relford joining us. Uh, Shift gears here a little bit. Last week, the Indy Star, they had like this story out there that 29 local organizations are calling for some sort of gun regulation after that deadly Halloween party shooting where the uh, early 20s folks, late teens were having this big party at like an industrial complex kind of area, a business area. There was a shooting. I think 10 people got shot. One uh, young lady lost her life. And the story in the star is that 29 different organizations are calling for gun regulation.
6: Yeah, I mean, and, and I went through that list, and, and frankly, it's the same organizations that are always calling for gun control. But what what we ought to focus on, and it seems fairly apparent to me, is what are the root causes of events like that that we see in Indianapolis? Is it, another law? Going to change the fact that we have so many people illegally carrying firearms is is another law going to change the fact that the judicial system just keeps you know revolving uh, the door around to spit violent criminals right back out onto the street you know another law isn't going to change anything as to people who don't follow the law and repeatedly don't follow the law and repeatedly you know commit violent acts um, that that they've already been conv- convicted of in the past so uh, again it's it's people calling out for 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 something that won't fix the problem that's always frustrating to me
3: one of the things that i saw over the weekend was this rally that took place in Washington, D.C., guy, maybe you've seen the video of it. It's the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas yeah. people, and kind of reminded me of what we saw here during the Summer of Love yeah. back in 2020, monuments being you know, destroyed, graffitied on some of our historic monuments, people trying to climb the fence of the White House. And I, and I texted you that night, you sure and did. I said, this is the answer. Another answer as to why people would need an AR-15, because yeah. you always have those people. Why does anybody need an AR-15? As if Israel
6: wasn't enough right. of an answer. Or I mean, Ukraine. Or yeah. Ukraine. I mean, look what's happening in Washington, D.C. Well, that's exactly right. And, and listen, even just in the context of being in my home, um, there's a reason they call them home invasions. Right, it's, it's it, more you know, than one person. Yeah, it may not be hundreds and hundreds of people that are you know climbing a fence at the White House, but it's a whole bunch of people. And 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 listen, I have two answers. One is I don't have to answer the question of what do I need an AR-15 because it's the Bill of Rights, it's not the Bill of Needs. So I don't have to justify my, my firearm of choice to defend my home and my family to anyone, and, and 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 I won't because the the Supreme Court stands behind me on that. At the same time. Is there a legitimate purpose? Of course there is, because there are times when there are multiple bad guys trying to hurt you or your loved ones, or trying to hit to hurt innocent people around you. And if you have the capacity to stop that as a law-abiding citizen, you ought to have the capacity to stop it with the weapon of your of your choice. And that's exactly why it's a Bill of Rights and not a Bill of Needs. And let's be honest.
3: It's normally not the law-abiding gun no. owner that's the problem. Like, when was the last time uh, there was a mass, you know, shooting? And I'm sure there has been one. I don't know, but it seems like very few of these shootings that you see are law-abiding citizens who have a legal right to own a gun using an AR-15.
6: No, well, what it is historically, it's it's been a, a long line of people with um, recognized. Uh, and and then untreated uh, mental health issues. I mean, right. how many times have you seen that? Or people that have made multiple threats. I mean, again, we saw it in Maine. How many yeah. times have you seen law enforcement come out and say, well, we had this person on our radar. Right. Well, had him on our radar. Okay. Well, I mean, and that that that's why it says people with re- re- repeated issues that have been reported invariably to law enforcement, um, That people that should have been denied the right to to purchase a firearm and weren't, um, it's people like that. It's not um, the rest of us who are really affected by these laws that people want to pass.
3: There's a reason why the NRA convention doesn't have these things happen, right? <laughs> right. Monday, gun day. Guy Relford, host of the Gun Guy Show,
6: joining us here. Big week ahead of us in the Supreme Court. Yeah, it really is. Tomorrow, well, we have oral argument in the case, which is uh, U.S. versus Rahimi. And uh, this one, I- I'm all nervous about. Rahimi is just, he's not a good guy. He's, he's a guy that had domestic violence order of protection issued against him uh, had apparently abused uh, more than one woman um, and and accused of any number of other criminal acts. So he's no, he's, he's no one that anyone's going to be sympathetic toward. However, he lost his Second Amendment rights and was convicted of a crime um, which makes it illegal for you to possess a firearm if you have a domestic violence order of protection issued against you and so the course the the issue rather before the court is whether when you haven't been convicted of any crime when you've just gone through a civil proceeding that the government only has to win by a preponderance of the evidence that's like you know 50.0001% where since it's a civil proceeding you don't have the right to have counsel appointed for you that when you've been through this civil proceeding with a low burden of proof you have you have no due process protections like you do in a criminal case to do you still, uh, can you still, uh, under the Second Amendment, have your rights stripped from you? And and when you phrase the question that way, it, it presents what I think is a fairly apparent answer, especially under the new text history and tradition test that the Supreme Court um, has, uh, has announced as the test in Second Amendment cases, it came out of the Bruin decision just last summer.
3: So, this kind of comes down to... Even scumbags have due process. Yeah, well, well you got to well, separate that's, that from what you're arguing. Right? Yeah,
6: and listen, guys, there's a reason that Lady Justice and all the statues has a blindfold on, right? That's the reason. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind to issues like, uh, in, in matters of pure constitutional law, um, should I be swayed by the fact that the the litigant at issue is a bit of a dirtbag? Right. Uh, that's where the blindfold comes in, and that's the way the process is supposed to work. Um, at the same time, I mean, no one um, uh, is going to shed a tear if this particular individual um, isn't uh, able to possess firearms anymore, except for the announcement of a constitutional principle that that maybe impacts us in other ways. But it, it's a big case. It's going to be argued tomorrow. A lot of times, you can tell to some degree by the questions and and comments from the justices during oral argument how they're going to go. Uh, but it, it, it it's a big day for that case and just last Friday, the Supreme Court announced they're going to hear an appeal of another Second Amendment case, which is on uh, the Trump-era bump stock ban. And the issue there is a little different. That's, that was that, kind of a fallout
3: piece of legislation after the Las Vegas massacre. That's exactly
6: right. It? You know, uh, there's still a lot, awful lot we don't know about the Las Vegas shooting. But a bump stock was apparently used, and we've talked about bump stocks before. But right after that, Trump said, "Well, that's it. Bump stocks are gone." I'm telling the ATF, "You're making bump stocks illegal," and that's what the ATF did. Question becomes, however, does an executive agency, part of the executive branch, not a part of the legislative branch? Yeah. Have the ability to just go change the law. When last time I checked, Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution says all legislative power shall be vested in the Congress. So that's going to be an interesting case, too. Last thing here before we let you
3: go, we got about a minute left here. Sure. I want to get your thoughts on this story from Florida. (laughs) A Florida roofing company hopes to pick up more business this (laughs) month after launching a promotion where they're offering an AR-15 and a frozen turkey <laughs> to anybody who buys a roof. Are
2: you down with these companies that offer up free firearms as part of their deal?
6: Well, they're required they- by law to for anybody who wins one of these things uh, to be put through a background check. Now, just like you're buying a sure. gun in a gun store um so with, from that perspective sure i mean f- my first reaction what i was going to say as you're reading that was yeah, <laughs> right. You know,
3: america right mean, turkey a gun
6: <laughs> let's go I holidays maybe they're going to go through legal channels and the person who, who, who gets that's going to have to go through a background check so sure why not
3: you know what i think i would I would buy my roof, maybe, yeah. from that company. If all things are equal, if company A is not offering me a gun and a turkey, and company B is offering me gun and turkey,
6: <laughs> eh, I think I'm going with company B here. Uh, you know what? Because last time I looked, I need both. Right. Uh, where can people reach out to you if they have any more questions? Yeah, follow me on Twitter. It's just
3: at Guy Relford, uh, at Guy Relford on Twitter. Guy, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
1: Hammer and Nigel.
2: Can you believe these characters are weirdos. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. You know how we have not heard from in a while. The old crip keeper, Bernie Sanders. Oh man. And he's weighing in. He's all over the Sunday morning talk shows talking about Israel and how they don't have the right to quote Kill thousands of innocent men, women, and children. Go ahead.
1: Well, this is what you got. It's, I think, clear to most people. What Hamas did, and Hamas is an awful terrorist organization,
0: is they slaughtered 1,400 people in cold blood. Israel has a right to defend itself. But what Israel but, does not, in my view, have a right to do here comes the but. is to
1: kill thousands and thousands of innocent men, women, and children who had nothing to do with that attack. So the immediate
3: concern, that, to my mind, is we have got to stop the bombing now.
2: Maybe you don't go into Israel and slaughter 1400. I mean, at least he acknowledged that Hamas was a terrorist organization, which some Democrats can't even do.
3: Right. That's more than what Rashida Tlaib's doing. Sure. But based on Bernie Sanders' philosophy, you can go up to him, punch him in the face, <laughs> and then say, ceasefire. And according to Bernie's <laughs> rules, he has to abide by it. Stop. You, I've got the right to have defend myself, but I don't want to get into a fight. I mean, fight. it's
2: war. It's ugly. What are you going to do? I mean, they, the, the people, the Palestinian people, elected Hamas to run their government. In right the, in the mid two thousands. I mean, I, I just like. Was anybody saying this when we nuked Japan? It was a different time back then. <laughs> I now mean, there're two nuclear bombs in Japan. And we said
3: this the first day like, we came in to do the show after the initial attack, after the Hamas terrorists went into that concert, you know, on yeah. the parachutes and then went home to home killing people, we told everybody, this is going to be ugly, this is going to get nasty, and there's a young generation We've got a job shadow in studio today, Bailey, who's a high school student. Bailey's generation is going to see what war really looks like. Not TV war, not movies war, where there's a happy ending. This is going to be a grisly, nasty
2: war. I, I just, I don't understand, you know, people, you know, ceasefire, or they call it a humanitarian pause. You might hear those buzzwords, humanitarian pause. And when when you have us agreeing, this show agreeing with Hillary Clinton, we played that, <laughs> we played that clip last week of her saying, look, you ceasefire with Hamas, are you kidding me? That's just gives them time to replenish their supplies and fortify.
3: Right. It's and like refresh. a boxer that's on the ropes. Yeah. They get a chance to kind of yeah. catch their breath and stand back up.
2: Nobody's calling they're all calling for ceasefire, but nobody's calling for a release of the hostages. That's the Netanyahu is is saying, look, release the hostages. Maybe we'll think about having a discussion. But not but not until I mean they've told everybody from Biden to Blinken. Right.
3: Uh, and as you said the other day, nobody shove off. puts B.B. in a corner. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> right? Uh, Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, 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 Johnson uh, will reportedly be releasing the January 6th surveillance footage in its entirety to the reporters at The Blaze.
2: Yeah. Kevin McCarthy, uh, who was ousted by Matt Gates, the gang of eight there. Um, never. He failed to do that. That was one of his promises. There were a few clips that, like Tucker Carlson, got, but it
3: wasn't in its entirety. And the criticism of those things leaking out to Tucker was, okay, this is selected. Now it sounds like Johnson wants to put it all out there. This is what it is. This is what happened. You guys can see for yourself whether or not this Department of Justice is being a little too extreme for what happened on that day. So we'll see if he actually lives up to it. Had a pretty good little back and forth on CNN the other day. And again, we watch this crap so you don't have to. (laughs) We know damn well nobody was watching Jim Acosta's show on CNN. But you're welcome, Indianapolis. That guy's still around. He's still around. And he was going back and forth with Vivek Ramaswamy. And take a listen to this. This
0: week, Trump opened up a rally in Texas with uh, the rendition of the national anthem sung by some of the January 6 rioters who broke into the Capitol. Uh, he went on to call them hostages. Do you agree with Trump that January 6 prisoners are hostages?
1: I think many peaceful protesters on January 6th should absolutely not be in prison. We have a dual standard of justice in this country, one standard applied. But Trump, Trump is Antifa using the word hostages. Do you think that they're hostages? For the prior
0: two years. Isn't that irresponsible to call them well, hostages? with
1: what's going on in Israel right now? I mean, Jim, let me let me just be really clear about what's irresponsible as it relates to coverage of Donald Trump. And I think that your network and others like you owe some accountability <laughs> here from the Rush Trump-Russia collusion hoax that never was to the Hunter Biden laptop story that was actually real before people before the election were told that it was false. So I think that the real accountability here belongs to the media.
3: Maybe I'm just a romantic nige, but when somebody just goes off on Jim McCauley Costa right to a stupid face. My heart flutters just you know, a little bit. And
2: Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a, who's running for that GOP nomination for president, like he he just demolished him. I didn't even know Jim Acosta was still at CNN. Right? <laughs> I he he has a weekend show now, and that's about it. Some low-rated weekend yeah. show. Yeah.
3: I mean, think about this. CNN's primetime lineup gets beat by the Home and Garden Network, let alone their scrubs on the weekend. Uh, Here's a little bit more of Acosta trying to keep his name in the news cycle by going at Vivek about the war between Russia and Ukraine. Why would you cut a deal with Vladimir Putin? Why would you trust Putin to keep his end of a deal?
1: I don't trust Putin, but I trust Putin to follow his self-interest, just as he can trust us to follow ours. And the fact of the matter is, our engagement in Ukraine has been a disaster. Everybody in Ukraine would still tell you it's now stalled to a standstill. Tens, if not hundreds of thousands, of deaths on both sides. Now the U.S. entering greater risk with Russia. The first time we've never had a nuclear non-proliferation agreement in place with Russia. But as and secretly Putin, many U.S. officials are, end are end beginning of to admit that there has to be a deal. Doesn't that show well, some kind on, on your part? We're going to. To the contrary, the naivete is the pointless wars that we've spent in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is Iraq 2.0 unfolding again. Jim, the people who are advocating for this war a year and a half ago are already meekly beginning to admit, even those you'll have on this network, beginning to admit that it was a failure. It has not met expectations. Thousands and thousands of lives lost. Greater risk, hundreds of billions of dollars later. This is a pointless war.
2: Yeah, I mean, the West is seemingly starting to sour on Ukraine, I believe.
3: Well, there's no transparency. Like, if you're telling me, all right, we're going to give you this amount of money for humanitarian aid and weaponry, show us where it's at. Show us what it's being used for. It's not being done right now.
2: and, And not only that, you're seeing the media start. You know, NBC News, CNN, all running stories over the weekend about how the the war is just is unwinnable. It's at a it's at a s- stalemate.
3: Right, and you can't keep funding a stalemate yeah. war featuring two countries who don't even really like you. One really hates you. The other one certainly is not an ally. Uh, Producer Allison hit me with some legal, legal stuff. stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Oh. A Florida man, Florida man, was arrested in Texas for evading and possession of a controlled substance after leading police on a 2-hour chase while driving a big rig semi-truck. Oh. Here is Ew. crash victim and witness talking about the police chief.
2: I didn't think I was going to make it because it was really fast. We didn't know where to look at exactly. It's either the, uh, the driver or the 18-wheeler
3: or the cops because it was so fast and they were passing by so fast. I was coming down with my
2: family and all of a sudden I see 100 cars of police I'm just chasing that big 18-wheeler. Yeah, you could sideswipe like a Honda if you're in a police chase and right. get away with it. You ain't doing that with an 18-wheeler. That's scary. Uh, and I'm glad they caught the guy. Nobody was hurt. But I, I will say one thing. I The truckers, I lo- love truckers. Love the trucking industry. I, you guys kept us going during COVID. Deserve a lot of credit. But, man, sometimes I see those truckers, I mean, motoring down 65. Oh, my, I'm, I'm way, to, way to work. Hell, I, I saw this oversized load carrying a trailer home. He was doing 70 on uh, 465 before I got on to 65. You guys need to slow down. I'm just telling you. Just...
3: Now, devil's advocate, what if they have to get a bunch of Coors Banquet beer <laughs> to Georgia? Maybe it's like a Smokey and the Bandit uh, type of run okay. here. Okay, All maybe right. that's what's happening.
2: And Nigel presents
6: is...
3: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
2: Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. roll. Hammer, enemy we play Is This Anything?
3: I am going to run some stories by you. You break down all the information that's been presented, and you give us the verdict. Is the story anything or not? Easy enough. Dateline New Jersey, a New Jersey custodian, is accused of contaminating food and kitchen utensils in the school cafeteria with saliva, urine, and feces. He is also being accused of spraying bleach into a container of food that was later served to kids with the intent of harming the students. Here are some of the parents and students talking about the accusations.
5: I covered my mouth and started crying. I had no words. I mean, what can you say to a situation where somebody was doing those disgusting things in the school where your child's supposed to be safe? It made me
4: feel disgusted. And weirded out like that was just nasty. That's a bodily fluids. That's that could make my child. That could kill my child. That's
2: yeah, gonna make me puke right now just thinking about it. Yeah, this is something. I hope. Here's the part of this story that they uh, talk about in the in the in the article. Quote: The school has put this guy on administrative leave. That's it. Administrative leave.
3: Is Mayor s- boss? <laughs> What do you got to do
2: to get fired at the uh, New Jersey school? Wow. No, you fire this guy, then arrest this lunatic terrorist. Terrorist? Yeah. I mean, you're, what are you doing? Your you're feces, urine, saliva, spraying bleach into a container of food, trying to kill kids? Yeah. That's such a terroristic activity to me. Yeah, that's a bad look. Why well, can't people just be normal? Like us, <laughs> right? New Jersey custodian placed on administrative leave. <laughs> and in the same article, words like urine and saliva in the food if that the kids were served. Feces, good lord! <sighs> custodians, why? Why? Not all. I swear, not all custodians are weird.
3: No, they're not. Really good guys. Which brings us to great moments in custodian history. Let's go to the movie Rudy, where ah. the custodian had reached the point to where he was tired of hearing Rudy be a whiny little pain in the ass.
1: I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad to prove to everybody prove that I worked what? With,
7: that I was somebody. Oh you are so full of crap.
1: <laughs> You're
7: five feet nothing,
2: a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself.
3: Great moments in custodian history. Man, How about the janitor in the movie Billy Madison that was tasked (laughs) to get some intel? Billy likes to drink soda. (laughs) Miss Lippy's car? (laughs) That was the intel that he got. And last but not least, great moments in custodian history, the movie UHF, where Stanley Spadowski, played by Kramer, Michael Richards, Richards, uh, gives an inspirational speech about how life is like a mop.
8: Because life is like a mop. And sometimes life gets full of dirt and crud and (laughs) bugs and hairballs and stuff. You, you, you got to clean it out. You, you, you got to put it in here and rinse it off and start all over again. And, and sometimes, sometimes life sticks to the floor so bad. You know, a mop,
2: a mop is not good enough. It's not good enough. You, you got to get down there like with a toothbrush, you know, you got to, you got to really scrub.
8: You got to get it off. You got to really
2: try to
8: get it off. But if that doesn't work, that doesn't work, you can't give up. You got you gotta you better stand right up. You, you gotta run to a window and say, "Hey, these floors are dirty as hell, and I'm
3: not gonna take it anymore!" Great
2: moments yeah. in custodian history. That movie still holds up. I, I remember last winter is really crappy outside. I watched that uh, with my son. We laughed our butts off. He didn't know what he was laughing at half the time. I still, for some reason, badgers? We don't need no speed thinking badgers.
3: <laughs> the wheel of fish host, which I believe yeah. was long duck dog. Yes. Is this anything? A young boy in Florida called the police because he wanted to give an officer a hug. Aww. Here is the deputy giving the kid a hug, but also explaining that, yeah, this is probably not the reason why you want to call 911. <laughs> Hello? Hi. Is
9: this your home? Yeah. Everything okay? Sorry, I was my right on. Yeah. We had a 911 call. Gianni, come here. Bring your phone. Come here. Call the police. So why didn't give him a hug? You called him to give him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I miss, and I know what your phone number.
7: Nine one one. Yeah, oh. but you know what
2: that's for? Is if you're in trouble and you need help. And here's a five hundred dollars citation for mommy and daddy for <laughs> abusing the nine one one call center. What did we learn? That's pretty cute. That was that was all right. I it, did I tell you about a couple weeks ago? My my mother in law accidentally dropped her phone, and I guess it's set up to where. It'll call nine one one if like any vigorous activity happens, like if you're in an accident or something like that. And and oh wow! And so she didn't know she was calling nine one one. An officer knocked on our door five minutes later. What was the vigorous activity? Well, no, she tried. Dro- <laughs> she just dropped her phone. I asked she that. It. Really, just gr- that was, that gritting, was, gritting my what's, teeth. What's, what's the matter with you? No, she just dropped her phone, and she's, there's some setting on an iPhone to where. You know, if you're in a car wreck or something and you can't reach your phone, it automatically starts calling nine one one. So okay, so that was probably about like the fourth false alarm. Uh, cops in Zionsville have been to my house over the past decade. Your
3: family are big false alarm people,
2: big huge fa- false alarm people, big
3: false alarm yeah, family. The it
2: is it is a mortifying experience to say the least. It is it is um, it just I don't remember the last time they I mean they come out guns drawn because <laughs> the cat set off the alarm, but when Lindsay left. Um, She had accidentally She hadn't closed the front door all the way Uh oh So while they they usually you know cops ninety nine percent of these f- f- you know alarm calls when your alarm goes off it's it's false false alarm but they had their guns drawn because they saw the front door was the open. front door is propped open and yeah. the alarm was going off and uh, and I think I've told the story before but I was talking to the cops through my ring doorbell and they were like Mr. Laskowski we know this is you think this is a false alarm but we'd like to permission to sweep your house just in case so ZPD. <laughs> Got a free tour of the Laskowski household that night.
3: Did <laughs> they find anything? No. Okay.
2: No. Just asking. <laughs>
3: it's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Kascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. Hammer
2: and Nigel show. Hello, my name is Nigel Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. He is the president
3: of the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 86. Friend of our program, Rick Snyder, joins us. So, Rick, talk to me about this lunatic that was ramming police cars over the weekend. Because it from what I'm hearing, one, this is a repeat offender, and two. This guy's out already. There's no way this guy could be out already. Do you have any updates on that?
0: Yeah, guys, it turns out that we had a uh, repeat violent offender uh, that is alleged to have uh, rammed a police vehicle that was occupied by an officer during a traffic stop. He didn't just ram the car once, not twice, but three consecutive times before he was able to be apprehended. And when the officers made the apprehension, they were able to determine and find out that this guy was actually out on bond for previously Uh, Ramming three separate police uh, vehicles earlier this year. It gets worse yet. He has two prior offenses uh, for similar actions as well and is believed to have been uh, responsible for ramming eight different police vehicles in four separate incidents. Now, this arrest was made. Uh, The uh, offender was charged with uh, multiple felony counts, was placed into the Marion County Jails, and within a, a matter of just a few hours, was cycled right back out into our neighborhoods, Um, and released even while in violation of the bond for the prior arrest our police officers were shocked that he even got a bond for the prior arrest to begin with you may remember that was an incident that resulted in officers having to discharge their police weapons in an attempt to to, uh, save their lives and stop the deadly threat that he was posing and still yet he got a low bond and was placed back out onto the streets. So this incident proves exactly what we've been saying for four years, which is no one is reviewing the probable cause statements, no one is reviewing the details of the facts as they relate to the incident involved, and no one is checking criminal history before offenders are are placed into the jail and then released right back out into our neighborhoods.
2: Okay, so who... Is it the judge? Should the judge have reviewed this? Is it the prosecutor? How... Who who are we blaming here? It's the court. So here's the deal.
0: We have got to go back to a 24-hour review process. We used to have this. It was called the Adult Processing Center. And when somebody was arrested, they would immediately go before a judge, a human being, who would review their criminal history, review the probable cause for the latest incident, and make a determination on bond. It requires a judge, a prosecutor, and a public defender to be in the room. Uh, the court system moved away from that process. It's now all done by a computer. So literally, the highest charge is inputted into a computer. The computer spits out a bond amount. If that person can pay it, they're released before they ever appear before a human being judge. This is what we have been saying. And remember, guys, the judges said we were not being truthful about this. Yet when our officer, Tommy Mangan, was shot in the throat last year, he when he was shot in the throat, Uh, They said that that person who was out on parole and should have never been out was released because of a one-letter typo in which the computer system did not catch it. So which is it? Uh, I think this proves it. I think it shows what we're talking about. And now officers have have to risk their lives again to ever bring this suspect back into custody, and God only knows what will happen then.
3: So in your opinion, Rick, is this a matter of somebody being lazy, or is this somebody being incompetent?
0: No, guys, it's all intentional. The system has been destabilized by design by the very stakeholders in the criminal justice system. This is what we have been saying. Folks who have been had their minds, minds corrupted by this woke ideology— that somehow uh, we need to decriminalize the criminals and de-police the police, and somehow that would be a utopia in our communities. This is what's responsible for major cities across this country being completely hijacked by repeat violent offenders, all while our taxpaying residents are being victimized repeatedly.
2: Wait a minute, Rick. I, I heard Joe Hogsett say on one of his election commercials that he wants to hire more police. And I'm like, I hear that, and I think... <laughs> Well, you have to have enough people that want to work for you to do that. I yeah, mean, the, the same – re- go ahead.
0: The reason why you need to hire more cops is because you can't keep enough cops. <laughs> That's why you have a 300-officer-plus shortage in the city of Indianapolis. They are fleeing and heading for the exits. They're getting out of the capital city because they see that our capital city is swirling the drain. We are going down, folks. And again, when you have the last 10 days, you have 36 people shot, three people stabbed, 11 people killed. Out of all of those, eight of those victims were eight juveniles that were shot with four juveniles killed, setting an all-time record for the number of juvenile homicides in our city in our 200-year history. Things are not going well, and they're not improving. They're not getting better, and something has to change.
3: We're chatting with Rick Snyder, president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 86. So, Rick, tomorrow there is an election. Mayor is on the line for the city of Indianapolis. The FOP chose not to endorse either candidate in this race. Now, in the past, the FOP had supported Joe Hogsett. But this election, you chose to not just support to not support Joe Hogsett, but also to not endorse his challenger, Jefferson Shreve. Why?
0: Because neither candidate has earned the support of law enforcement professionals. I hate to tell it and be the bearer of bad news, but it's a coin toss, folks. I mean, either both of them have proven to you that ni- neither one of them has the complete package of what is needed here. That is why your police officers have said there is no way we can publicly support either one of these candidates. People say, what should we do then? We should have done something back in these primaries when we had other candidates eligible for this. And by the way, we should have done something when we had an opportunity to fix our prosecutor, and that did not occur. There are very big challenges that lie ahead for the city of Indianapolis. I keep saying this. The problem is not at the state house, it's in our Marion County Courthouse, and it's in City Hall, and we've got to do something to address that. If local residents aren't able to overcome those challenges to do it themselves, we are forced to go to the state house to seek third-party assistance on this and help from our state leaders.
3: Rick, one of the things that we see all the time on social media and people ask us all the time, why did the FOP support Joe Hawk said in the past, but now they're not doing it?
0: Because he earned it the last two times, especially over his competitors at the time as well. Again, this proves to people, see, I said it to you before, when we endorse a Republican, people say we're Demo- we're, uh, we're Republican right-wing extremists. When we support a Democrat, they say that uh, we don't support Republicans and all we care about are union issues. I think what this shows is we give a fair and impartial review every step of the way. But there was one thing that significantly changed from the last two endorsements, guys, and that was the riots in 2020. I've said it again and again, our officers have not forgotten that. There needs to be a reckoning for that. There are still hundreds, hundreds, and thousands of 911 phone calls that have never been released and and many, many hours of police radio traffic that's never been released. If that ever happens, you'll get a better, fuller picture of what actually took place, and it still begs the question who gave the order for our officers to stand down.
3: Rick, you uh, have been really great to our program, and as you know, we support law enforcement on this show. You have a really cool um, fundraiser coming up. It's the Shop with the Cop program. Tell us about it.
0: Yes. We've been doing the Shop with the Cop for many years through our Indianapolis FOP. We have one of the largest Shop with the Cop events in the country uh, when you compare us to other cities on a per capita basis. And we are able to assist annually over 250 families throughout our city. We We have uniformed officers that are able to take children shopping. They spend the day together. It's way more than about the gifts and the clothes and all those things. It's about the relationships that we build and, quite frankly, guys, we uh, utilize as our, our, our largest uh, model of that event is our, is our fallen officer, Breanne Leith. And under the Be Like Bree, Bree program, uh, we encourage people to uh, help support the Shop with a Cop program. She was a big uh, participant in that. Uh, she was well known for her outreach to youth in our community, and we're on track to do that again this year. But uh, we get our help. We don't ask for individual donations, so if any individual gets asked for that, That's not us. We do seek support from our business community, and we have been receiving that. But we do have folks that say, I still want to help support it. We say if you want to do that, do that on your own. You can go to the Central Indiana Police Foundation website, which is CIPF.foundation, and you can make a donation and restrict it to the Be Like Bree program. For shop with a cop more than that we're going to want applicants families that are in need that want to have their child go with the officer uh you can make those applications to the indianapolis fop and we will be uh hosting that event on december the 9th of this year and we're looking forward to it
3: well rick tell your officers keep it up you know the city's got their back and uh, we appreciate your time
0: yeah, guys, and I encourage everybody to go to my Twitter at Rick FOP86 and see the latest video on this latest incident that occurred, where we send a message to our courts.
3: You got it. Thank you.
1: Nigel Show. Don't
2: let us forget to end this segment without giving away Hootie and the Blowfish tickets, Allison, okay? Uh, My name is Nigel Hammers here. We got an in-studio guest. We'll get to her in just a second. I wanted to get your opinion real quick. After 35 seasons, you're a big Simpsons fan, right? Love the Simpsons. Homer Simpson, after 35 seasons, will no longer strangle Bart. In a recent episode, he explained why, as a new neighbor welcomed him with a, a hearty handshake. Whoa, that's quite a grip. See, March, strangling the boy has paid off. Just kidding, I don't do that anymore. Times have changed. Are you okay with this?
3: No, that sucks. <laughs> it's a cartoon! There wasn't a real boy being strangled by his dad. It's a cartoon. Guess what in Looney Tunes? Elmer Fudd never really shot somebody in the face. Goodness gracious, it's so ridiculous. All right, all right.
2: I know well, you're a huge Simpsons guy, so...
3: Simpsons have gone completely soft over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, really, the Simpsons stopped being what they really were years ago. And now, you know, people don't want to do the funny voices because it's offensive. Yeah. Homer can't strangle people anymore. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, we have got an in-studio guest here. Bailey is here from Center Grove High School. How are you, Bailey?
7: I'm good. I'm really excited to be here. Bailey,
3: what are, what are you doing here?
7: Well, okay, so for one of my classes, it's all about, like, Careers and like, you know, finding out what you want to do in life. So I am considering being a radio broadcaster and I Who wanted told to you
3: here. no and you ended up here? Like <laughs> we couldn't yeah. have been your first choice.
7: No, actually we got like so many, like we, we tried to reach out to so many, but I don't think anybody wanted me. So thank oh, you, for so having
3: me. you. Oh, so they big time We're number one. Our ratings are number one. We've been named number one in America and we respond. Name names. Who big time do you? Who who told you uh,
7: I don't know. I think a lot of radios around here, actually.
3: <laughs> I bet it was those dirtbags over at Q ninety five. That's who I bet it was.
2: Yeah, yeah. Gunnar doesn't want you in his
3: no, studio. No,
7: no, not at all.
2: Well, uh, so what do you what do you want to do? I mean, like, what's your plan? What's the what's the career path in for you? I are you a freshman? Yes, I am. All I'm right, a so you got some time to work yes, it out. Yes,
7: I do. I don't know for sure if this is what I want to do yet, but it's definitely. We've already there. scared her away. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: She's been in here for fifty four minutes. We've already crushed every. Dream she's ever uh-huh. had. Actually,
2: you know, now that I think about it, I would want to do the complete opposite of what you guys do. That
3: one guy uh, was wearing sweatpants.
2: I was <laughs> just glad I was wearing pants at this point. Right, I, right. I,
3: you know, we really caught lightning in a bottle today. <laughs> so when you say you want to do radio, do you want to like play music or maybe I talk radio? Like, what interests you?
7: Um, I. Honestly, I honestly have no idea yet. I think I, I want to do something like this, but, you know, I definitely want to, like, warm up to it first, so maybe I'll start with music, and as time goes on, maybe I can start right. doing something like this. I'm going to
3: put you on the spot. Uh-oh. We have to give away <laughs> tickets to Hootie and the Blowfish, okay? okay. It's an awesome concert coming up. Mm-hmm. This is our phone number right here. I want you to solicit for caller number nine to that phone number right now, because we're giving away Hootie and the Blowfish tickets. Let me hear it.
7: What? <laughs>
2: <laughs> say say hey, we're looking for caller nine two three nine ninety three ninety three gets hootie and right. the blowfish ticket. Give
3: away these tickets. Go for it.
7: Okay, caller from two three nine nine three nine three, you get tickets to. Salt my fish.
3: <laughs> oh, boy. I'm so old. I know, right? I just lost a little bit more yeah. hair on the back of my head oh, right there. wow. Uh, Bailey, thank you for being Thanks, a good Bailey. story. Thank you
7: so much. Caller number nine two three nine ninety three
3: ninety three. Tickets to see Hootie, June 8th, Ruoff. This is The Hammer and Nigel Show. We're coming right back.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love
1: Boy,
2: it's hilarious to watch Democrats head spin. After this New York Times poll that just was released over the weekend, Hammer, showing Trump leading Biden in five of the six swing states. What do you always say when it comes to polling? The national polling, it doesn't matter. It's the state-by-state polls. Tell me a little bit more about this New York Times-Siena poll showing Trump leading in, again, five of the six swing states. Democrats are melting down over this. So Joe Biden leads Wisconsin by two
3: points. That's the only state he has a lead in, according to the New York Times and Siena Poll. In Nevada, they have Trump up by 10 points. Wow. Georgia, Trump up by six. Michigan, Trump up by five. Arizona, Trump five. Pennsylvania, Trump up by four. Now, It's still a year away, and keep in mind what these polls showed during the last midterm cycle. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath for the Republicans. They're going to roll. Red wave. Well, it really wasn't the case. But keep in mind, these aren't conservative-friendly outlets doing this polling. It's the New York Times and a Liberal university.
2: And even they're saying right now, with one year to go, it looks like it's Donald Trump's to lose. And Democrats are like saying it out loud now. They're looking around at each other and like, wait wait a minute, what? What, Look at the. I mean, this poll, this single, this has sent the Democrats into a tailspin. So now, what used to be a
3: whisper of the Democrats saying, right, man, we, uh, we, we need to have somebody else ready to go. Now they're just flat out saying it out loud. This was Meet the Press.
1: This is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing the chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and, and, and make room for another Democrat.
5: And I think the problem that Democrats have is they don't know who that Democrat would be right now. I don't think that uh, people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready to take that step forward. They look across the rest of the party, governors, senators, mayors, House members, and they're struggling to figure out who they could put up if it's not Joe Biden. And so I think the reality is Democrats are probably going to run Joe Biden.
2: <laughs> they pri- I mean, honestly, when push comes to shove, if Joe Biden wants to run, that's the guy. He's it not is. going anywhere, if he indeed wants to run. But even this—did uh, you see what David Axelrod said? A Democratic strategist ran Obama's campaign, a reason, big reason for his success in 2008, had this to say. Only Biden can make this decision. If he continues to run, he will be the nominee of the Democratic Party. What he needs to decide is whether that is wise— whether it's in his best interest or the country's. And then, of course, in the same tweet, he goes on to bash Trump. He's a notorious sure. Trump basher. But they're all saying the quiet part out loud now oh, yeah. that
3: Joe Biden needs to get off of the ticket, because I think they're starting to realize that a lot of the same people who said orange man bad also look at their bank accounts and go, bank account bad yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. And they're ready yeah. to make the complete 180. Uh, let's quite. Let's play a quick round of "Is it racist?" Okay. It's time to play. Is it racist? Now, for those unfamiliar with this game, maybe you're hearing our voices for the first time. Here to explain how we play this game is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? Easy enough election denier, Stacey Abrams, (laughs) sat down with Jen Psaki on MSNBC. Stacey Abrams still thinks she's the governor of uh, Georgia. Are you kidding me? And (laughs) Stacey Abrams says that Americans think Kamala Harris is a moron (laughs) because they're racist. Okay. I wanted to ask you about the vice president, because she's been under a huge
9: amount of scrutiny through her entire time in office. I think there's a lot of reasons for for this. But I want to ask you as a prominent woman of color who's run for office do you think she would be receiving these same critiques if she was a white man? No. No, not at all. No. We will always question the person behind the person. But we cannot ignore the misogyny and racism remain very prevalent in our politics. And for those uh, behaviors that don't rise to either misogyny or racism, there's also just the difference. Our expectations are set for the traditional
4: white male vice
2: president. First of all, don't they make the same criticisms about Joe Biden? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i
4: mean i'm just saying i mean right.
2: it's like racist and misogynistic she gets the exact same criticisms as joe biden and
3: when you it's, listen to kamala harris speak uh, yeah let's say it's the passage of time speech and you sit back and listen to that if you've ever thought to yourself boy she's
2: an idiot <laughs> you're a racist according to Stacey abrams yeah that term in certain conversations when it Especially in the political realm, really has been watered down. It's 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 a shame too because when there's real instances of racism, um, it gets overlooked. When you call somebody a racist because they have criticisms of uh, Kamala Harris, who's solely in the position she is in because of the color of her skin, right? Then it's it's just go- going overboard. It's it's ridiculous. Uh- it is Election Eve
3: here oh, in yeah. Central Indy and throughout the state of Indiana. What's on the big Zion'sville docket tomorrow? Anything exciting? Anything mm, sexy on the? Uh, not really. I,
2: I, I actually voted early. I went Saturday, got right in, and um, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for, but uh, I will say none of them were Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. It's a little more competitive here yeah, in um, Indianapolis. John Stair is going to be the mayor. Former WTHR uh, news anchor is going to our new mayor. Why can't he move to
3: Indianapolis and run for the Indianapolis mayor? Because, again, and I know we talked about this earlier, it's just such an underwhelming election for the mayor. Now, there are some interesting city council races. You've got that lunatic in Irvington. Uh, You've got the guy ripping Micah Beckwith on the southwest side, who, spoiler, Micah Beckwith is not running for anything in Marion (laughs) County. Uh, So, interesting council races, but in order to set the mood yes. for this night before the election here on the Hammer and Nigel show, I put together a little poem, Nige. Twas the night before the election, and all through the city, voters and Indy were sad because both candidates are sh**. <laughs> a rhino, a rhino, hog set vs. Shree to guys who hate law-abiding gun owners, just like you and me. Two hundred <laughs> homicides a year. In Indy, that's the norm, brother, and our only two options to fix this. ...are two weenies that look just like each other. (laughs) They talk about abortion and laws they can't change. There's no record of Joe's whereabouts during the riots. Isn't that strange? Yeah. A loser, a fat guy, they're running Shreve's campaign. It's their creative input that's made his candidacy so, so lame. True. Joe's a total zero who allegedly drinks away his pain. Comedian Mike Epps, your thoughts. We got the mayor Hoxsey in the house. Me and him was drinking all day today. <laughs> A GOP gun grabber and Mayor Frank the Tank. We're going <laughs> it. Neither one deserve your vote. I'm just gonna leave the ballot blank. <laughs> the there end. There it is. Bravo. This was the night before the election here on the Hammer and Nigel Show.
1: and Nigel Show. Play action. Bryce Young throws it left side, and it's picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it. It's Kenny Moore again. He's at the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Two of them day. A pick six by Kenny Moore.
2: The Hammer and Nigel Show. Colts win on the road, 27-13. Hammer's got a special guest on the WIBC hotline. Kevin Bowen covering the Indianapolis
3: Colts for our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan. He's part of the morning show over there, KB and Andy. And Kevin, I know Jim Ursay did not want to lose to Frank Reich. <laughs> Is that why we saw the video of him dancing post-game in the locker room? Yeah, that is a
8: great question. Um, For those that have not seen the video, you won't find anyone as awkward as Shane Steichen holding Jim Merce's hand for about the first 10 seconds of said video there. I'm thinking, you know, (laughs) if I'm Shane, I'm probably thinking, the longer I hold the hand, as awkward as it might look, that might just be an extra million I get on my second contract here so yeah it was quite the scene yesterday in the Colts post game locker room as they uh, end their three game uh, losing streak
2: would they have won that game without Kenny Moore I mean realistically I mean the Colts beat the worst team in the NFL but the two pick sixes from Kenny Moore um, I mean that that obviously. do you think the Colts would have pulled it out if that didn't happen
8: Boy, that's a great question, Nige. I mean, it, I, I think some credit to the Forrest Buckner early on. I, I thought he was a guy that kind of wrecked some Carolina drives early. I thought Matt Gay, you know, were almost seemingly taking him for granted making 57-yard field goals outdoors. The Colts will not even thought about attempting those in prior years. But, yeah, I mean, Kenny Moore was a flat-out stud, and it, it's rare. Um, I can't think of too many times, certainly in Colts' you know, recent history, Where you point to a defensive player and you ask a question like that, and it's certainly a fair question to ask. Like it just goes to show you how historically, you know, great of a day that Kenny Moore had yesterday. And and I would say the, the the timeliness of the two pick sixes as well. You know, sometimes you get a big lead and it's a rookie quarterback, and you get a you know interception return for a touchdown late, and it's just icing on the cake. You know, both of those plays by him were at, I thought, moments where you were starting to kind of leak a little oil, particularly the one early in the fourth quarter yeah. when it was 20-10 to 10 and, oh. and Carolina was, was driving to make that a one-score game. Um, so, yeah, just an absolutely outstanding game, historically good game. Kenny Moore, and uh, with almost 13, I think he will be the AFC Defensive Player of
3: the Week this week. All right, so now that we've talked about the good stuff in regards to this game, you know me, I like to bring it back to the other <laughs> side sometimes, Kevin. That was an awful football game. Aside yeah. from Kenny Moore, who was just a rock star out there yesterday, that was a pretty bad football game
8: you imagine being in a different national market and, like, you didn't get the Fox game of Dallas-Philadelphia and you were stuck with Colts and Panthers? I mean, literally. Uh, Yeah, I I can't even imagine. Yeah, that was ugly. I mean, Carolina showed why they are a one-win football team with penalty after penalty after penalty, brutal penalties as well. And and the Colts early on, I mean, they were showing why they were – on that three-game losing streak with some penalties early, they had the muff punt as well. And offensively, Gardner Minshew, you know, it, it, it's one of those kind of backhanded compliments you, you get back from the day. No, you know, she was really nice. And basically with, with Gardner, it was, well, at least those drives ended in punts and not turnovers. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where you're at in describing his day. The passing offense could do absolutely nothing the offense in general. I couldn't do anything there in the second half and and really probably the final two-and-a-half quarters of that game. So, um, you know, again, you aren't going to face a one one football team week in and week out. You can look at that glass half half empty and glass half full. Half empty would say, you play like that, you know, even on Sunday against New England, and you're probably going to lose. Or you could look at it and say, you're not going to play that poorly again Therefore, you know, get the win and don't talk about it, you know, longer than Monday after the game.
3: But doesn't New England stink to high heaven as well, KB? Looks like New England is all in on a tank season to get a quarterback in the draft. Belichick would have another kid to groom to try to get back in the mix because that's who's next. In Germany, it's the Patriots. Yeah, I think
8: they stink less than Carolina stinks. And, and I know we're getting in a lot of like, you know, okay, who is worse, but I, I almost kind of fitting in, 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 in the week that we lose Bob Knight, you, you go back to that, you know, famous sign the Knight had, you know, victory favors the team who, you know, makes the fewest mistakes. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. And that was pretty much the Colts yesterday. The Colts were less dumb than Carolina. And you know what? Some weeks in the NFL – that matters. Uh, the one thing about New England, and, and I'm not trying to act like a, it is normal New England, because as you pointed out, it's not. They do have the second best run defense in the NFL. So, you know, that was something you got going a little bit early against Carolina. That was a struggle for Carolina uh, entering the game. So, if they are able to slow down. You know your strength offensively i am curious if it turns into a slugfest
2: hey, what were your f- fans what was your audience saying today about the game i heard by the way i heard your guys's interview with kenny moore I was great it seems like a really good guy but in terms of it like was there the colts still have a chance to make the playoffs guy calling in <laughs> to your program today what's the overall feeling you get from your audience
8: yeah, honestly, that guy wasn't even around this morning. I, I would say it was more, honestly, kind of the path that hammers going down of, you know, a win, but in no way, shape, or form did you watch the 60-minute yesterday and think, oh, yeah, this team can win three in a row or this team can win four or five, which, you know, to get back into any sort of legit playoff conversation in December and January, at some point you're going to have to do that. I do think it went on Sunday, granted it would be New England, it would start to creep closer to that because that puts you the bye week at five and five. And I just think in general, the bye week is a reset. Again, you are five and five. They popped up the graphic yesterday during the game. You've got the second easiest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way. You're still going to need help. But a reset of the bye, it's almost like, all right, who knows what can happen. Um, so I do feel like Sunday is such a critical one to say, again, 500 of the bye week or you're four and six. And now you're starting to look for mock drafts.
3: All right. So this is a loaded up question here for you, KB. What's more likely to happen? The Colts make the playoffs or, and I'm looking at the schedule here, the Indiana football Hoosiers went out and make a bowl game. (laughs) Illinois, Michigan State, and Purdue remaining on the schedule for the fighting Tom Allens. What do you got, KB?
8: Yeah, I wasn't born yesterday.
7: <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it
8: would be the Colts making the playoffs. I mean, hell, you could have, you know, X amount of NFL teams somehow get busted for some illegal, you know, thing, and then, uh, yeah, the Colts are one of seven AFC teams. Yeah, Indiana winning four straight Big Ten games. When's the last time that's happened? I, mean, I, 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 I get what the schedule looks like. And again, credit to Tom Allenstein. They've certainly played better the last couple of weeks. I know Wisconsin was really banged up, and at times I felt like I was watching Iowa offensively and not even Wisconsin, but, yeah, I can't go there uh, just yet with, with Indiana, let alone winning 4 in a row in November uh, for an Indiana Hoosiers football team. All
3: right, last thing here before we let you go, uh, Pacers-Spurs tonight. Wimbenyama makes his debut in Indy. Where are we at with this Pacers team? Because, look, I was excited coming into this season. I thought they could be maybe a 5-6 seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but it seems like it's ground groundhog day they can score a ton of points but they have nobody to rebound and nobody to defend
8: yeah i think you're a little disappointed now granted they are three and three i thought 45 wins uh, i would assume based off what you just said you would have thought somewhere in that general range and i mean if they continue to go 500 they'd have 41 wins so it's not like it's been just an absolutely awful start but We've had Rick Carlisle on the show for the past couple of weeks, and he has really stressed the importance of this start to the season. It's, it's much more of a manageable schedule early on. Seven of your first nine at home. They've got three more home games this week. So, Saturday I think is really the one that would bug some people in that it was a one-point loss at home to Charlotte. Um, again, struggling to guard, you know, echoing kind of – what you just said and some really poor play in the final few minutes of that game. You know, if you get that one, you're four and two. And one of those two losses, Halliburton didn't play. So uh, yeah, to be fair, you know, the questions that you pointed out are there, but as long as I think you kind of take care of business here this week at home, starting tonight, uh, you you can get back on track.
3: Jarrus Walker going to see the floor at any point? Because I thought the whole reason behind picking this big, strong kid out of Houston with, you know, a lottery pick was he was going to be like the enforcer. He was going to bring some rebounds and defensive toughness and he can't get on the floor.
8: Yeah, I know he was out Saturday due to illness, but I, I do not expect him to be in the rotation, you know, here in the very near future. I mean, unless a lot of injuries occur, I think Rick's pretty set with the kind of the nine or 10 that he has. And I think even if he went maybe a, a guy or two to your bench, I don't know if he would be in that group. So, I mean, he's 19 years old. Uh, you know, it's not like you're bailing on him by by any means, but I, I would agree with you. Considering where he was drafted, I think it a little it is a little disappointing that he can't crack the rotation for a team that needs, you know, what you would consider his strengths. But again, having said that, it is still very, very early in his career.
3: The wake up call with KB and Andy every morning 1075 the fan. KB is Kevin Bowen. Kevin, thanks man. Have a great week, guys.
2: show my name is Nigel Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the WIBC Hotline. She is one half of the Chicks on the Right
3: program. WIBC alumni, Miss Daisy from the Chicks on the Right. How are you, love?
9: I'm doing great. I love daylight savings time. You I know how too. much I love it. I do. It's just awesome. I love messing with the time, you guys.
2: I like the. I like it in the fall. I mean, I get to sleep in an extra hour. And um, and I don't mind it getting dark earlier.
9: You know what? I think it's all stupid. I'm just like (laughs) Matt. We we played a tribute to Matt Hiblin this morning on our show, where he went on a complete like (laughs) care. How stupid!
2: Matt Matt Hiblin's our 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 executive producer here at WIBC, but he went on a rant on your show a couple of years ago that was epic Mm -hmm. about daylight saving time.
9: We we pay homage to him every year on our show, (laughs) and it's. Because it's dumb AF, you guys. It's dumb anyway, yes. So we're we're just uh, we're we're loving daylight savings time today. Yeah.
3: Well, speaking of things that are dumb, let's talk about Joe Biden. Oh, uh, yeah. Joe Biden planning to veto this standalone bill that would give money to Israel. Um, mm-hmm. So Joe Biden feels like this should be coupled with more money to ukraine but instead you're kind of giving a middle finger to one of your allies here because somebody who is not an ally isn't included i'm curious if you find this to be as insane as i do Yeah, I
9: do find it insane. But listen, when people show you who they are, believe them. Because now Americans in in Israel, we know what and who he supports, right? I mean, I I look at this and I think, okay, well, now I know where you really stand. You can say all you want that you support Israel, but... in in America, for that matter. But I know who you support, really. I mean, he can just say all the things, but your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say.
3: The one thing that I just, I don't really understand, and maybe you can help me out here. How did these college kids on college campuses become pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian when they were raised and brought up in this we have to, you know, I don't know, love everybody era? I mean, they're supporting a terrorist organization, I thought this was supposed to be the generation that did the opposite.
9: Well, it's years and years of indoctrination, and yep. we have all turned a blind eye to it, and we just kind of let um, educational institutions, our institutions do their thing, and we learned a lot of that during COVID, right? It's like when parents started paying attention, we're like, oh, crap what have we been doing what have we been allowing these people to teach our kids and it's been insidious over the past several decades right and so it's not just i don't think colleges i think it's now trickling down k through 12 well what and the thing is it-
3: going from joe biden to these college kids here daisy is that is this, like, a larger thing that we just missed? Like, were we not paying attention at all yeah. of the anti-Semites this country has over the last 10, 20 years? I, I think that's
9: part of it. But then part of it also is, you know, I think we've been saying a lot, and I'll just I'll say it out loud. I, I think a lot of us over the, the past several decades have, have bought into this whole, it's it's. Strength through diversity, but we've not been um, experiencing strength through diversity. We've been allowing this whole um, notion of people coming into the country at such warp speed uh, illegally. A lot of people illegally, really, and then it's not—it's not that people people aren't melting anymore. Jason, they're not, it's not a melting pot at this point. People are coming in and they're not assimilating into the American culture per se. They're wanting to keep their own cultures and they're like, screw you, America. And we've lost our identity as a country. And people like in, at the college level, our kids at the college level, they've been taught to hate America. And so, and I guess it trickles down even into like K through 12. They're taught to hate America. There's not a sense of patriotism anymore. There's not a sense of love of country. And that, we're seeing what's happened when when that's taught. Well, I mean, to it kids, was. Like,
2: I like bet there's kids. a lot of college kids at that anti Israel, pro Palestinian uh, Washington, D.C. demonstration. That seemed kind of insurrection y to me. Oh,
9: my God. It's so insurrection y. Yeah. And of course, none of that. Cause, and of course of course none of them will you know see any consequences like we saw on J6 right because the only people that they put in jail are grandmas with terminal cancer you know or right wing people because we i guess right wingers are still considered the biggest threats in this country when we're seeing threats that are actual threats yes. and it's and people are people out there are terrified you know it's this. funny it's it's, and, it's
2: like there were, it's not funny it's horrific you know 14 Jews slaughtered by Hamas and the White House's response Kamala Harris puts out a statement well we gotta watch out for Islamophobia
9: right Islamophobia is the
2: big problem
9: Again, it's like when people show you who they are, believe them, and that was their initial response: was to get out there and to get on the, the side of "Oh my gosh, what?" Well, exactly, it's, we got to watch out for all the Islamophobes, and then they're calling for ceasefire. You know, yeah, heard... a lot of these people in charge are calling for ceasefire, and it's like, what did we do when you know Japan bombed Pearl Harbor? Did we call for a ceasefire? <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot
2: of uh, what you call proportionality when we dropped those two nukes on Japan. I don't think. I don't right. think anybody was calling for proportionality proportional reaction there but it's even when we play the clip of hillary clinton right last week hammer that said if you do a ceasefire you're only helping hamas re, uh, replenish their supplies you are not doing anything any favors for the hostages either and when you right. lost hillary clinton that's saying something
9: yeah, I hate I hate being I hate agreeing with her. <laughs> right. do you hate it?
3: Right. That's what these lunatics have done to us. They put us in the position to support Hillary Clinton, Daisy. I
9: know. I know. It's really crazy when that happens. And and the anti Semitism that we're seeing displayed is just I it's disgustingly rampant. Like, I don't, like you talk about, well, you know, where does it, how do we get to this place? And I think there was always a level of anti-Semitism, right? But it is it is so alarming to see so much of it and so open and blatant at this point in our country and abroad, right, all over the place. I mean, you've got 16 million Jews that live, you know, in the world, and then you've got 2 billion Compare that to two, like two billion Muslims. And, you know, a lot of these people, not all, but a lot of these people are like when they say from the river to the sea, that if people understand what that means, that means that they want to eradicate the Jews.
3: Now, Rashida Talib said that's not true, Daisy. And well, if believing wrong, right. Rashida yeah. Talib is wrong, there's a lot of anti-Semites that don't want to be right
9: well she's she's a liar she's a total liar and i don't I don't believe her yeah
3: where were all these celebrities at like during the summer of love in 2020 when we were told as a nation if you're white this is your time to sit back and listen you need to right. have uncomfortable conversations yeah. we need to talk about your privilege you don't know what it's like to be black all these celebrities were putting this out there politicians too where's that at for the Jewish community right now
9: I agree agree. oh my gosh i agree with you 150% we were talking about this this morning about how so many of these celebrities are just quiet and that and when you're silent what i mean what does that say about you
3: it's i mean like, i don't give a damn what they say anyway but true. i just want a little consistency yeah. here
9: oh i totally agree with you it's completely inconsistent and they're so silent and and you know there there are a lot of Jewish people in the Hollywood community, and I'm shocked at their silence. I'm shocked that no, you know, they're not talking. I guess you know there are the people like the Amy Schumer's who had to yeah. turn off her comments. You know, she had to turn up her comments because she is. Coming out in support of Israel, just people like her. But, you know, and the gal Gadot so I guess that's how you pronounce her last name, Wonder Woman, she's coming yeah. out and she's, yeah. you know, coming out in support of Israel. There's like your select few who are out there who are saying stuff in support of Israel. But then there's just so many who are um, loudly silent. You know what I mean? It's just, it's
2: crazy. I, not only that, I not only it. silent, but they're calling for a ceasefire and they should be calling for the release of the hostages.
9: You're damn right. You're damn right they should be. Hey, yeah.
2: Um, it, we're speaking with Daisy. Chicks on the right here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I want to pivot just for a minute here, Daisy. Uh, Donald Trump endorsed Mike Braun, who is running for governor of Indiana next year. We have the uh, Iowa governor endorsing Ron DeSantis. Uh, does endorsements do anything for you? I mean, is that No. No.
9: They, unless well, unless it's Taylor Swift, right? Because I feel like she's the only she's the only one that I have any pool right now, like when it comes to
2: well, hell, she she, has, she endorsed the, whoever was running in Tennessee a couple of years ago, and they lost. Yeah, did a complete one eighty, ruined I, her I campaign know, I, back <laughs> then.
9: I just feel like now, when it comes to like uh, the girls that are anywhere between the ages of eighteen and twenty four, she would probably have a little bit of pull with that demo. Um, because my God, I don't know if you guys have seen the crying and the fawning that you know those girls do over her, but um, <laughs> but I, but anybody other than you know her and her hold that she has over screaming. Uh, you know, eighteen to twenty-four-year-old, I guess, young women. But I, I just, I just don't understand the endorsement thing. I don't, I don't know how. What if, if she's Kim Reynolds, right? That's her name, Kim Reynolds, the the Iowa yes. governor. Yes. Yep. I don't, I, I just don't think that they matter. Like if I were somebody who was not particularly in the Trump camp, um, and I heard. I heard her come out, or if I were somebody who was in the Trump camp, and, and she was like, oh, I'm going to vote for you know Ron DeSantis, and I just wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, Kim Reynolds is voting for DeSantis, so I'm totally going to change my mind, you guys.
2: Right. I and just, you know uh, what matters to me is not these politicians who have no idea who they are, that, that you know, personally, that, that endorse these cl- It's It's my inner circle. It's people that are in the know locally that I trust. Yeah, i I've yeah. texted the know, know more about it than I do. No, here's who you should vote for. Here's who I'm mm-hmm. voting for. That's, that's the kind of endorsement you didn't send a
3: tweet to steve (laughs) carell you didn't send a tweet to
2: justin (laughs) timberlake no i don't care what they think at all
3: no totally and and, and
9: at the end of the the day it's all about (laughs) what are these people going to do for me kind of like what you know along that same vein it's it's like what are these people going to do for my family what are they going to do for me and so it's all kitchen table stuff right it's like how are they going to help me personally
3: She is one half of the Chicks on the Right program, the lovely, the talented Miss Daisy, ChicksOnTheRight.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Daisy. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
6: And it takes me back to
2: a simpler place in time, when we used to kick back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, Moonshine Mondays. Where we sampled different uh, styles of moonshine, different flavors. I was the only degenerate in the uh, liquor store this morning at 930. <laughs> and I picked this up, Hammer, and I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Okay. Um, but just know that I had to pick this out. I, I, I had to do it. Here, I'm going to hand you this bag. Okay, here. it's in a brown paper bag.
3: Going to reach in and see what we have here. I had here. to do it. I, I,
2: I just had to do it.
3: Oh no way! No way! Old Smoky pumpkin
2: spice moonshine. Yeah! Wow! Pumpkin spice baby. Okay, I shake mean, that bad boy up and pour us out a little. Uh, I mean, you understand why I I, I I I looked at it because I know you have sort of a disdain for pumpkin spice. And wow. uh, okay. Now that
3: being said, it does smell pretty good. Okay. All right. Here it is, Old Smoky
2: Tennessee Moonshine, <laughs> pumpkin spice flavored. And, and it is not clear. It looks like kind of milky. Cheers. Oh um, wow, that's delicious. <laughs> Come on, it is you good. Admit. You got to admit, you, you make fun of people all the time for pumpkin spice lattes, the PSLs, but the pumpkin, the, the PSMs. <laughs> the pumpkin spice the, the moonshines, moonshines. Boy, that hits a nail on the head right there, buddy.
3: Yeah, I'm going to fill this cup up again. Go ahead, feel
2: free. <laughs> it's 93 WIDC.